What is in this disastrous border bill? My dad is here today to explain it. But before we get to that conversation, I am going to give you my take on the surfing attire company Rip Curl dropping Bethany Hamilton in favor of a man who identifies as a woman. Oh my goodness, I'm fired up about this. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Use code Allie at checkout. That's GoodRanchers.com, code Allie. Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. Happy Wednesday. Hope everyone is having a wonderful week. All right, my dad is coming on the show in just a few minutes. He is going to give us his take, his analysis of the border bill. Oh my gosh, there's so much there. But he's also going to give us um, a very thorough explanation of the conventions that will happen this summer before the presidential election. And you guys love when I have my dad on because he's so good at explaining things in a very calm manner. And he makes us feel like everything's going to be okay when it really feels like it's not. All right, before we get into what I want to talk about before he comes on, uh, let me just remind you, uh, and I'll show you if you're watching on YouTube what I'm wearing. We've got cute, relatable merch. Self-love won't save you. And really the implication, which we should probably like have on the back or something, is but Jesus will. Because remember, the self can't be both the problem and the solution. Just in time for Valentine's Day, go to AllieMerch.com. We've got this cute shirt, Comfort Colors. This is a size large, I believe. And it fits, it's nice and nice and roomy. You guys probably know how Comfort Colors fits. And then we've also got the crew neck sweatshirts and uh, we've got bags and we've got stickers with the same design. So check that out, AllieMerch.com. Okay, one more thing I wanted to say that I did not get to say yesterday or I just forgot to say is I just wanted to mention Toby Keith's passing. And this makes me super sad. He's had stomach cancer. He had stomach cancer for a long time. Um, uh, People knew he was sick. And I think he recently performed actually. And he was very obviously sick, but he had done some uh, interviews recently where he talked about his faith according to CBN. Uh, He recently said in an interview with Fox News Digital, I lean on my faith and I just pray and I lean into it. You got to do what you got to do. And I don't know how people do it without faith. That's what I did. It was my rock. And so it's good to see him talk about his faith towards the end of his life. But I love the song courtesy of the red, white and blue. My friends will tell you that that song reminds them of me because I love it so much. It just gets me riled up about America in a good way. And uh, so I just wanted to, I just wanted to mention that, that he has passed. And I don't know that much about his faith and about his journey. It sounds like he was a believer in Jesus. And so he is fully healed and uh, he is having a better time than any of us could possibly imagine uh, while we are here on this side of eternity. So prayers for Toby Keith's uh, family and for his friends. He certainly made an impact on country music. And okay, one more thing, one more thing. I know I've got like a lot of things to say before we actually get into our stories, but they're all important. Okay, we announced this yesterday on social media, so now I can say it. Candace Cameron Puree is going to be on the show next week, and I'm so excited about it. This is a guest that you guys have been asking me to have on for so long, and it finally worked out. She's going to be here in studio. So Tuesday. I believe it will be unless something changes, but that's when we plan to air the episode next Tuesday. We're going to be talking about all sorts of things. I'm so excited to have Candace Cameron Bure on Relatable, on the white Relatable couch. And so make sure that you tune in for that. All right. Okay. We're really going in, going to get into today's stories. But first, <laughs> let me pause and tell you about our first sponsor for the day. I just keep teasing you. I don't mean to. It's just, it, it, that's just how the introduction went today. Let me tell you about Cozy Earth. I love this sponsor because I absolutely love their products. 
Cozy Earth makes amazing loungewear. They make amazing bedding and towels. I love all their stuff so much. I love our Cozy Earth sheets so much that we had to get some for the guest room too. It's amazing. It's all made from bamboo, viscous, including uh, their bamboo clothing. So soft. My husband loves uh, loves their hoodies and my dad does too. Like our whole family just loves Cozy Earth because of their high quality products. And you have a really good deal. If you're a listener of my show, you can save up to 35% on Cozy Earth loungewear, pajamas, bedding, bath towels, and more. If you use code RELATABLE at checkout, up to 35% off. Go to CozyEarth.com. Use code RELATABLE. That's CozyEarth.com. Code RELATABLE. Okay, we really are going to get into it now. Okay, and this is a story that I have been wanting to talk about for several weeks, but it just hasn't it hasn't worked out. There's been so many things vying for our attention on Relatable, but I'm finally talking about this story about Rip Curl, who that's a, it's an Australian brand uh, that specializes in swimwear for surfers. And Bethany Hamilton, you probably know the story of Bethany Hamilton. She is a very famous surfer who lost her arm and a shark attack several years ago. They dropped her as a, um, I guess, like a representative, an ambassador of their brand. And they picked up this quote unquote trans identifying male surfer. So this is according to Redux. In November 2023, Rip Curl dropped Bethany Hamilton, a well-known female surfer and best-selling author of Soul Surfer, who survived a shark attack and returned to professional surfing despite losing an arm in the attack. She, in the attack. She's also a Christian and so she talks a lot about her faith. Um, Hamilton was sponsored by Rip Curl when the shark attack happened at age 13. She signed with the brand at age nine. So, wow, this has been a long time. She's been with them for 24 years. But this past fall, they cut ties with her after a quarter of a century. Uh, despite her status as one of the most celebrated female surfers in Australia, reportedly because Hamilton had voiced her opposition to trans-identifying males competing in female sport competitions. Um, last February, Hamilton shared two videos to her Instagram account questioning the October 2022 guidelines adopted by the World Surf League in accordance with the International Surfing Association, which granted males who claim a transgender status permission to compete against female athletes. So here is part of that video. Who is pushing for this huge change? Does this better the sport of surfing? Is this better for the women in surfing? If so, how? How did whoever decided these hormone rules come to the conclusion that 12 months of testing testosterone make it a fair and legal switch? Okay, so she spoke up about this. She also said in the video she was very careful to say that, you know, she loves everyone, she supports everyone, but she can't be on board with men competing against women. And of course, of course, this shouldn't even be a debate. Kudos to her for saying something about it, though, for using her platform, using her clout to speak up on behalf of women. The only reason that she is a prominent surfer is because she was able to compete against women. Because even if you go through estrogen therapy, even if you change your name, you grow out your hair, you start wearing a skirt and lipstick, you're still a man. You will always be a man. The fact that you went through male puberty means that you will have a physical advantage when it comes to athletics. Of course, you will always be bigger and stronger in general than most women. You will have a bigger heart. You have greater lung capacity. You have more upper body strength. You have greater muscle mass. All of these things really matter when it comes to sports and in particular when it comes to surfing. Like I don't think that I need to explain everything that's at play here when uh, we're talking about uh, who is going to probably be superior when it comes to the sport of surfing. Okay, so she spoke out about that. A lot of people applauded her for it, but of course she got a lot of criticism as well. And apparently Rip Curl, this company that she had been with for decades, 
decided that, you know what, this is just too far for us. Standing up for women's rights in sports, saying that men are men and women are women, we don't think that we can uh, partner with someone who believes such crazy, radical, bigoted things. So we are going to cut ties with her. And then we are going to pick up a representative and ambassador who is a man who identifies as a woman who goes by the name Sasha Lowerson. And uh, here is he. New uh, celebrity endorsement that they've got. Sasha Lowerson, who is a transgender woman surfer, in other yeah. words, a bloke. <laughs> that was my um, my journey of surgery for breast augmentation. Okay, so this is Jane Lowerson, this man who goes by this name and Rip Curl Women, the Instagram account, posted a picture of him. Uh, introducing him to their audience. And so I'm a little confused actually about his name because it says Jane Lowerson, but they also call him Sasha. Meet Sasha, a West Australian water woman who loves the freedom found in surfing, disconnecting from the mainstream and the feeling of dancing on constantly changing waves. Okay, super weird. This person, you look at this picture, there's no question. There's no question about what this person is. No one is confused. No one looks at this picture and says, wow, that's a really muscular woman. You look at this picture, you see the jaw, you see the shoulders, you see the biceps, you see the chest, you see the head shape, you see the lips. Everything screams man. Everything screams man. Now, this person was a surfer. This man was a surfer before his transition. He was a pretty competitive surfer then. And if you see pictures of him, he was actually pretty handsome. Like you see him and you're like, okay, he's a handsome guy, kind of looks a little bit like a beach bum. And now he is, and I know people are going to say, this is so mean to say. It's not mean to say. Now he is one of the ugliest women that I've ever seen. And obviously, he's not really a woman. And I know people say, why do you have to say that? that's so mean to talk about someone's looks like that? It is never mean to say that a man makes an ugly woman. That's a compliment. That is a compliment. No man in his right mind wants to hear, you know what? You would make a gorgeous woman. You would be so pretty and delicate if you decided to grow out your hair. No man in his right mind wants to hear that. Only a man who has, whose brain has been so destroyed by pornography and sexual fetishes and perversion and other kinds of depravity and confusion would ever make this switch from being a genuinely handsome guy to an atrocious looking woman. Okay, there's something going on here besides just innocent confusion and innocent dysphoria. Now, I do think that there is dysphoria here. I do, because you read the Reddit posts and the testimonials of some of these guys who so-called transition and they the you can tell what they see in the mirror is so far from reality it's insane like they'll post their transformation pictures oh a year on hrt a year on estrogen i've changed so much i look so pretty and feminine today because they're wearing lip gloss everyone else sees that and they're like oh that is a man in pigtails but they see themselves as a girl. However, just because I think dysphoria is there, I don't think that dysphoria is the root cause. There, that's a symptom of what is going on underneath, which again, I think is very often fueled by addiction to pornography, specifically sissy porn, as Genevieve Gluck has argued on this podcast before. There are lots of reasons, but I think dysphoria is actually a symptom, not the cause of someone like this transitioning to transitioning so-called to a woman. Now, if you look at this person, as again reported by Redux, if you look at this person's social media, you can see that this is a fetish for him. You can see the kind of sexualized pictures that he is posting of himself, which I like, I, I told Brie, I was like, I could have gone my whole life without seeing these pictures and they were placed in this document. It's very disturbing. We will definitely not show them or link to the article that included them. But this person sees womanhood as objectification. And that's what a lot of these men are getting off on, the idea of being objectified and sexualized. They like that. And so they actually see, uh, they have a humiliation fetish. And so they see women as that, as their ability to be humiliated and objectified. I, I don't know if that's the case with this guy, but certainly 
uh, looks to be the case if you look at his social media. So this is who Rip Curl decided to take on as their ambassador and as their representative. Um, as you can imagine, the internet had a lot to say about this, and I'll read you those responses in just a second. Let me pause. Let me tell you about our next sponsor for the day, though, and that is Seven Weeks Coffee. We love Seven Weeks Coffee in our home. It is really, really high-quality coffee, sustainably sourced, uh, but we love it even more because of the values that it promotes. It promotes godly values, and it is dedicated to protecting every beating heart. The reason that it's called Seven Weeks Coffee is because at seven weeks gestation, that baby in the womb is the size of a coffee bean. And yes, that little image bearer of God has a right to life. And pregnancy resource centers across the country are providing all the resources possible to ensure that moms in need have everything they need to be able to choose a life for their children. And Seven Weeks Coffee donates 10% of every sale to these pregnancy care centers. They are now supporting over 750 pro-life organizations. So allow your coffee to serve a higher purpose. Go to sevenweekscoffee.com. Use code Allie for 10% off your order. Sevenweekscoffee.com. Code Allie. So Sasha, as he calls himself, won first place. This is according to Libs of TikTok in two of Australia's women's state championships. Sasha is a man who has, this is what Libs of TikTok says. I haven't even read this until right now. We just agree, which is not surprising, who has a fetish for dressing up as a woman. And now he's cheating and taking women's places. And she posts some of the very gross pictures uh, that he has posted of himself clearly again just sexualizing himself it's really really disturbing and you can see in the picture of himself where he is taking first place he's got a trophy and he's standing next to other women how much bigger he is than these other women and again just looks so masculine because he is well a man Riley Gaines weighed in we've had her on the podcast she is of course the collegiate swimmer she was the collegiate swimmer who was forced to compete against a man, Leah Thomas, Will Thomas. And Riley Gaines said, you mean to tell me Rip Curl dropped Bethany Hamilton for opposing men surfing in the women's league then picked up male surfer who surfs in the women's league as a women's ambassador? Crazy. Yes, that is exactly what happened. Um, and we will make sure to put up some of these pictures and so you can just get an idea in your mind of what exactly is going on here and the clown world in which we are forced to live. Like we are being forced to suppress our understanding of reality, to suppress our appreciation of beauty, and to deny the humor, the humor in a man putting on a dress. That has been a comedic trope forever. And now we can't laugh. And we can't even just sit here with a straight face. We all have to smile and clap like seals and say, yes, Sasha, you are a beautiful, dainty surfer. And you deserve to be right up there with all of those women. You're gorgeous, girl. When we, like, we all know, we all see, I don't care how ardent of a trans activist you are. I know you know. I know you know. We all see it. We all see it. Okay. And I just refuse to participate in the lie. I refuse to. And that's the thing about this whole push for pronoun politeness and to have these nuanced conversations about respecting someone's identity and the hope that you maybe can build a relationship with them and you can evangelize to them. You do not have to lie in order to build relational equity with someone. And if you do, then that's not a relationship worth pursuing. You will God will never ask you to lie or to deceive or to sin about anything, but particularly in this case, about the Imago Dei in someone, um, because male, female, and us being made in the image of God, we all see that in one verse in Genesis one twenty seven. They go together. Like you will never be asked to deny that for the sake of evangelism. Like, don't you think that God's truth is powerful enough? Of course it is. Of course it is. People are not going to be won over by our sin. They will be won over by the Holy Spirit and the righteousness that Christ has given us. They are not going to be won over by us denying the truth and calling a man she. 
That is what I call toxic empathy or weaponized empathy. It works on Christian women so well that the fact that a lot of you, which I get it, I get it. A lot of you probably cringed when I said that this person makes an ugly woman shows that all of us have been affected a little bit by this weaponized empathy that we've been told that we have to be so soft and so quiet and so unassuming and so just uh, assenting to this nonsense so as to protect our witness and seem loving. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Love rejoices with the truth. As 1 Corinthians 13 tells us, it is not going to rejoice in wrongdoing. In fact, it never rejoices in wrongdoing. We have to speak the truth in love to this sort of thing because this is the effect that it's having. The effect that it's having, and I would say this is one of the most innocuous effects that it's having, is robbing women of opportunities in athletics. Again, I would say that's just the tip of the iceberg. Then when you see men entering women's domestic abuse shelters, men being housed in women's prisons, uh, when you see children being transitioned, their genitals cut off in the name of gender affirmation, you see parents losing custody of their kids because they won't call their son Jack Sally because all of a sudden he learned on Reddit or Tumblr when he was 13 years old that he's really the opposite sex. Like, Assenting to this nonsense by using pronoun politeness, by buying into this deception, you are contributing to all of that evil and wickedness. It is Satan telling you that in order to love someone, you have to use the wrong pronouns. It is Satan telling you that in order to love someone, you have to look at this person and say, yeah, that's a pretty lady. That is Satan telling you that. That is Satan trying to harm your witness. That is Satan tempting you to sin. Can you have compassion for this person? Understanding that as Ephesians 2 tells us, we were all once dead in our sin apart from Christ. Yes, of course, because we all were. All of us were enemies of God at one point. And it is only by grace through faith have any of us been reconciled to God, made alive in Christ. And so I don't have to look at this person and say, wow, they're way too far off. They're worse than I ever was. It's different sin, certainly. But look, all of us were once dead in sin. There aren't different levels of dead. You're just dead. And Ephesians 2 tells us that without Christ, you are dead in your sin. You're headed for hell. So can we have compassion for this person because of that? Because they're still made in the image of God, no matter how depraved or deceived they are? Yes, absolutely. But that does not mean I have to acquiesce in any way. I do not have to comply with this madness. What did Sultan Heitzen say? He said, let the lie triumph, but do not allow it to triumph through me. Now, I personally think that this gender madness will not triumph. I really do. If you want a white pill for the day, Like, I really don't think that this is going to keep going forever. Now, I think it's going to hurt really badly. I think that there's going to be, unfortunately, many bodies, many children placed on the altar of gender ideology before the altars are overthrown, destroyed. But I do think it's coming. I do. It's just too far. It's too far. This is the thing that I see push people in the other direction. Because we look at a picture of someone like this named Sasha, and we're all supposed to say, wow, that's a beautiful woman. I don't care how radical you are. I don't care what kind of communist you are. There is no one on planet earth that would look at that person and say that is a woman. And I refuse to pretend. I refuse to play along even a little bit. Even a little bit. I will not give in a centimeter on that. Reality is too important. The image of God, God's creation is too important. Gender is too important. The protection of our girls and women and children is too important. And the protection of men too. This harms men too. By the way, we should definitely ban pornography. That's the thing that I'm going to end on there. Um, All right. That's, I just want to talk about that because I've been wanting to talk about that for a while. Oh, let me just say what Bethany Hamilton said. She said, male-bodied athletes 
uh, should not be competing in female sports, period. Yes and amen, Bethany Hamilton. Now, she's not here yet, but one day she will be to the point to where she just says male or just says men. I understand. We've all been through that. When you're realizing the craziness of this, you say things like biological male, biological female. You'll say things like gender, you know, they suffer from gender dysphoria, or you'll give a lot of caveats and nuance. You'll try to kind of police your own language uh, because you are scared to say just men. Um, You don't even have to say male-bodied. There's no other type of, there's no other type of man. They're all male-bodied, and all people who are male-bodied are men. All people who are men are male-bodied. They're one in the same. Um, but I, I'm not, I'm not nagging. I'm just saying all of us have been there. So if you have a gripe about how she worded that, it takes time. And I'm proud of her for speaking out. I'm thankful that she spoke out that she's using her platform to speak up on behalf of reality. So. Uh, Good job. And I would love for her to join the show one day. So hopefully we can make that happen. All right. Uh, just wanted to cover that before we get into it with my dad about the border bill and some other things. Let me tell you about our next sponsor for the day. And that is Good Ranchers. You guys know how much I love Good Ranchers, how much I love their meat. We eat their meat every day, their steak. We especially love their ribeye. We love their non-premarinated chicken, their pre-marinated chicken, their bacon, their ground beef. I mean, it just makes our life so much easier having all American meat in our freezer that we have at least one part of every meal taken care of. And I don't have to worry about going to the grocery store and wondering what the quality or the origin is of the meat. I can trust the quality and the origin of Good Ranchers. Plus, this is a company owned by people who share our values. So you can just feel great about it all around. Plus, you can subscribe and they will send you that box of meat to your front door every month. And if you subscribe right now, they are offering, uh, they're giving away free chicken for a year, free chicken for a year with your order. So use promo code Allie to get that deal. That's goodranchers.com, code Allie, goodranchers.com, code Allie. Dad, welcome back to the program. It's good to be here. I okay. Like so lots of things to talk about. But first, I want to get your take on this border bill that a lot of conservatives are saying is atrocious. Do you agree? Well, yes. But let me lead into it. I've got okay. some really kind of interesting information that I looked at uh, last night on polling that NBC, which not your conservative stalwart, did some polling. And I imagine some of their... People were very nervous over this. The latest polling, and this is a very fair poll. What they've done is they've gotten a Republican pollster and a Democrat pollster to come up with the questions as well as the sampling. So it's a pretty fair. These are registered voters, okay? Not just, not likely voters or not just citizens, but registered voters, which generally people would vote. Overall, Trump has his largest lead in a while, 47 to 42 over Biden. So that's outside the margin of error. Okay, which is interesting. Uh, But the interesting thing about it is they also ask the question, if Trump is convicted on any of these multitude of cases, it goes from 43 Trump and 45 Biden. So it, and it makes a huge difference for the 18 to 34 year olds for some reason and for the Latinos. A little bit of difference, though, in independence, which is actually should be encouraging to Trump because that's generally who will decide the election, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of these others, they're not going to change whether they vote for Biden or Trump. The Trump people, if he gets convicted of something, unless it's something people have never heard about, they're, they're going to stick with him. But a couple of other things were interesting, too, and that is Biden's approval rating is at an all-time low for any president. Wow, really? At this close to the re-election. Really? 37%. Yes, Trump was at 46%. Well, and I'm just thinking, though, at this point, before the election in 2020, like, we were in COVID land. So It was still at 46%, according to this poll. Yeah. Because the guy did talk about that when I did the read of the article, talked about it. The other thing is on the economy. This is is interesting. Yeah. The economy, Trump is 55, Biden's 33. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. On the border, which we're going to get into, 57-22. Now, the interesting thing is, Allie, those actually are in conflict with the overall deal. It should, if, if those are true numbers, which they are, but when it gets down to pulling the lever for Trump, 
There are obviously some people that believe he'd do a better job on the economy and the border that still can't do it. Mm. And that is should be concerning to former President Trump. So we'll concerning. see what happens on that. But I thought it was pretty interesting polling. But on the border bill itself, yeah, I, I uh, you know, I think the criticism that Senator Langford's getting is a little bit misplaced. It's uh, as I've talked to you and I've talked about before, uh, making public policy in a political environment is very, very messy. Mm -hmm. And especially when you're in the minority, you can't force things through. Now you can be against things and you can say no and all that type of stuff. And I've met Senator Langford before. I know him to be a man yeah, of so honor and a, and a man that uh, agrees with us on, I would imagine, most of the issues. Now, well, he's definitely been one of the most outspoken pro-life yeah, advocates. Absolutely. So. And also, one of the reasons they pick him to do this is because he's not up for re-election this time. Mm. Nobody up for re-election this time would ever be a Wanted part of this. There's no, this. there's no question about it. The yeah. other thing I would tell people too, Allie, is that uh, the Republicans do not want to give President Biden a gift right before an election. And if it appeared that we had some type of border solution, no matter what it was, Ugh. then they wouldn't like that. But the reason the Democrats are doing it, the reason Schumer's even involved in this at all is because he saw those polling numbers, 5722, mm -hmm. and they're trying to bail this man out. And so what they can say then, if Republicans say, I'm not going to support this, which we'll get into, they mm -hmm. are saying it, that, yeah. you know, this is dead on arrival in the House. Um then Chuck Schumer and the Democrats can say, look, we tried. Mm -hmm. We tried to secure the border and Republicans wouldn't even wouldn't yeah. even give us the opportunity to do it. Well, let's talk a little bit about the details of that. You know, one of the yeah. funny things they say is that um, it it will sh they will close the border if more than five thousand a day come in. Yeah. Which Senator Langford's point is, is that, look, it, that means the border is going to be shut immediately because what's already happening. But why that 5,000 number? Why not just say we're going to shut it down? Well, that's that would be the argument is that you would shut it down at least for a period of time totally. Yeah. Legal and illegal so that you can kind of, what is your new system going to be? Get the new courts in order, all that type of stuff. So I don't, and when they say shut down, it doesn't mean that it's shut down. It just means that if people slip through and they don't catch them, then, you know, there's nothing's going to happen to them. It's really shutting down the legal part of it after 5,000 a day. Okay. However, interestingly enough, too, they also say that they're going to make asylum a little bit quicker to process, right? They're, they're, they're giving you 90 days. Your asylum is going to be processed. Either you'll be let in or either you'll be sent back home. However, the bad part about that is, is somebody that comes through illegally, okay, has the same asylum rights as somebody that comes through legally. And my opinion would be, no, no illegal people get asylum rights. Mm -hmm. If you want to come and ask for asylum, just come through it legally. That's open. I mean, come through Brownsville, come through someplace in uh, Arizona or California. You can do that and claim asylum. Why come through illegally? We should not allow, it should be zero for illegally. Right. The other thing that it talks about is there's there's $650 million to add on to the border wall, which is kind of interesting. It's probably something the Republicans put in there. However, the money doesn't have to be spent on that. And, mm. you know, money, once it's allocated, it ends yeah. up being controlled right. by the executive branch unless it's specific. Mm -hmm. And this bill does not specifically say you must spend it on the border wall. They could spend it on more drones or whatever. Now, there is some good things in it, okay? They're, they're going to increase the number of uh, Border Patrol agents, $20 billion the whole bill is going to be. I do like the rapid asylum, you know, getting those processed quicker, if we can get those processed quicker, because there is some legitimate. Yeah, and that doesn't mean they'll all be approved. It just no. means process more. Yeah, and which, which it should be. And it, it will be, I don't know what I think about this. It'll be easier for families to claim asylum, okay, than it will be for single men. Yeah. Which probably should be because yeah. I think they know. I think that's probably right. You can see both sides. Yeah, I can that. see both sides of that. But I don't like chain migration. Right. Yeah. Right. In fact, I don't even like the word migration. It's mm -hmm. illegal. Immigration. Yeah. Illegal immigration. Illegal immigrants. OK, yeah. it just is. That's just the way it is. So I think the other thing that's in there that most people haven't talked about is there's something called um, 
It's DACA, but they're here legally, okay? So if, if I came over and I was a Mexican citizen, but I had a legal right to be here for a work visa, and I brought my children with me, okay, or they were, maybe they were even born here, all right? No, when I brought my children with me legally, okay, that's the way it would work. When they're 21, they become automatically illegal, right? Hmm. Because the parent was never an actual citizen, right? And so they're trying to figure out how to take care of that in the bill as well for those what they call legal dreamers or something like documented dreamers. That's what they call them. Okay. So, and one thing about the, the families um, that I've seen some Republican senators and congressmen say is that giving priority to families, minors, that could incentivize, which this has been said a lot about border policy, that could incentivize child trafficking. Because if you get to skip to the front of the line or you get priority because you're with a child, well, then yeah. you just find a child and you show up there and you say, oh, no, I'm not just a man by myself. Look at all these children. They're not going to do a DNA test right there to right. be able to verify if those children are really with their parents or not. I think that that does incentivize probably child trafficking. And parents are going to be paid. And I mean, we already see this problem with human smugglers. That's. Part of what's going on here is the coyotes are getting paid to smuggle people over the border, parents getting paid to send their children across the border to be able to help, you know, these men cross the border. And so this is, I think that that's a big problem. That's incentivizing, I think, even more trafficking. I think it absolutely could be. The other thing they do, you know, is they don't verify that you're an actual family member immediately exactly. when you get across there. They right? can't. They don't verify that. Now, one thing they could do is they could make people come with documentation that could be easily checked against their home country, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. all of that stuff is available these days. Even what we might call third world countries, a lot of that information is available through their online systems and what have you, but they don't, you know, they, they don't do that. The other thing they're not going to do in the bill is they're not going to deport any current illegals under this bill, which is a, which is a showstopper for me. So yeah. I think what will happen, Allie, I don't think it'll ever get to the House. Now, I do wish the House would pass their own bill. They need to pass their own bill too, right? Come up with something, pass it, and then see if you can work out the differences. But I don't even think this bill is going to get out of the Senate. It'll be a big test for Mitch O'Connell as McConnell. the minority leader. Can he get... 10 votes to stop cloture, you know, which yeah. stops the debate. I'm not sure he'd get 10 votes to be able to do that. It'll be very interesting to see. He'll have to do some pretty big arm twisting for that. And if it is 10 votes, it'll be the 10 will make up people who are not on the ballot this time or who have decided they're going to retire. All right, quick pause from that conversation to tell you about our last sponsor for the day, and that is We Heart Nutrition. I've been loving my supplements from We Heart Nutrition. Really high quality. I can tell a big difference. And I just love that it's a company owned by people who love the Lord. They share our values. Did you know that a lot of supplement companies are owned by big corporations that support organizations like Planned Parenthood, like Ollie and Smarty Pants, owned by Unilever, One a Day, owned by Bayer, Centrum and Emergency, owned by Pfizer. So these are companies that are supporting organizations' values that you and I don't align with. You don't have to worry about that with We Heart Nutrition. They are unapologetically pro-life. They donate 10% of every sale to pregnancy care centers. They've raised $7,000 for Prestonwood Pregnancy Care Center and are close to their goal of $10,000. That is awesome. To make it even better this week, they changed their return policy from 15 days to 60 days. So even if your bottle is empty, empty, if you don't love it, you can send it back. That's how confident they are that you will love their products. Go to WeHeartNutrition.com. Use code Allie for 20% off. WeHeartNutrition.com. Code Allie. Some people are frustrated by the allocation of funds because it also sends $20 billion. So $20 billion in U.S. border funds, $14 billion in assistance for Israel, $60 billion for Ukraine, uh, $4.83 billion to Indo-Pacific nations, $9.2 billion in humanitarian aid for civilians in Gaza, the West Bank, Ukraine. So people are saying, okay, so you're sending more money to Ukraine and to secure Ukraine's borders than you're willing to or allocate for our own borders. And I think that's a legitimate criticism. Well, it's, it's, it's different, think? okay? It's different in that the, Ukraine is in the middle of a war. 
And whether or not you agree with the war or not, they're in the middle of a war, okay? And I know some people would say our southern border is a war as well. We're being invaded. We're being invaded by people, but not by tanks and not by missiles and stuff like that. So there is a difference there. You can argue whether or not we should help Ukraine, all right? And I and I get that. I'm, you know, I, I am probably much more of a isolationist than I used to be, mm-hmm. but I do understand why we want to protect democracy where it is out there because it's a slippery, you know, it's a slippery slope. If I think Ukraine is a democracy, which is in, very much up for debate. In theory, okay. In theory they are, right? They're probably uh, closer than Russia is. Would we yeah, agree maybe. with that? Okay. I don't know. Well, we'll see. I have no, I, I honestly, I'm not, I'm not but sure. But the, the number one thing that wasn't included in this bill, in my opinion, that have the, would have the most effect, and President Trump didn't do this either, is naming the Mexican cartels as terrorist organizations mm. and any of the gangs or cartels that exist in the other Central American countries. You name them terrorist organization, that gives us the right to put our military in there to protect our citizens. And, and why wouldn't we do I that? I have no idea because there's, I don't know, there's some... And, and why do you think on. that? I mean, I think we all kind of have our theories, but why would the Biden administration pick this fight with Texas, go to the Texas border and cut razor wire, not just say, hey, treat everyone nicely, but actually undermine Governor Governor yeah. Abbott's efforts to try to protect the border. I think razor wire is a very nice way to say, please don't come in. But you've got people saying, oh, that's so mean. Yeah. And the Biden administration coming in, cutting the razor wire. You know, the funny thing is, too, about that is that it actually works. Because until yeah. they put the razor wire up in Eagle Pass, there were uh-huh. several thousand a day coming across. Mm-hmm. And then since it's been up, there's like been three. Yeah. So, and the other thing is, though, the, the feds can go in there and cut it down. But we can also put it right back up. It can be a tit for tat for a yeah, while. Yeah, what do you think is going to happen there? Because <clears throat> basically, Governor Abbott defied the Supreme Court, which the Supreme Court said, okay, while we're figuring this out, yes, the Biden administration has the authority to cut this razor wire. Although they haven't done it, by the way. Yeah, and Governor Abbott said, well, no. And nothing happened. I know. I know. Is that interesting? I, know. <laughs> I mean, who knows? Maybe the Border Patrol is refusing to do it. I don't know. But I do think it's very... You know, I do think it's very interesting and what have you. So uh, I don't think the border bill is going to make it. I mean, I give people credit for trying to make something happen. We do need a system that allows people to work here legally in a better way. We do need to have a real asylum system. Okay. A lot of our ancestors, not mine and yours, but other people's ancestors came over here under that real scenario. Mm -hmm. Now, one thing I do like in the bill that we should do a standalone bill on is protecting the people from Afghanistan that helped us. You know, there's a provision in the bill that makes it easier for them to be here legally. And, you know, Biden and them didn't do any of that when they first did the pullout, but there's a provision in this bill to help the people from the Afghans, you know, the interpreters and all those people to be here legally, which I would be in favor of. And just a reminder, because I do think that some people believe that everyone showing up at the border is a refugee or is an asylum seeker. But a lot of these people are not just from Mexico. They're not just from South America. They're from China. They're from the Middle East. And if you are truly seeking asylum, you should go to the next closest country where you can reasonably and safely stay. It doesn't require you to go through Mexico and come through our border. No, that's what the law actually says. It's the first country that you can get into that, you know, you can settle in. That's, That's where your asylum should be. And you're not a refugee just because you are looking for a better life. No. We could understand that, definitely. That does not justify someone being able to walk in and say, okay, now I'm an American. Yeah. It just, just doesn't. because you want a better job or something. That's not. The, Everyone does. Yeah, that's not the, that's not the reason. That's, that's 100% for sure. Okay, so something that's very discouraging that you said is that the Republicans, of course, they're not really going to want to really fix this problem right before an election. So Biden can't take credit for it. Is it ever going to get solved? This has been a, well, a problem for a very long time. They would fix it if it was totally on their terms, but they're not going to give in on anything. Okay. Now, if, if they could get Biden, I think if they could get Biden to agree to, you know, build the wall, totally shut everything down, maybe you could get some of that because they could actually claim victory. But I do think it's been a uh, political football for multiple uh, administrations and, Uh, I think President Trump did as much as anybody, but I also think he could have done more. Remember, we had the House and the Senate for a little while when he was president, and we should have made a harder push to get 
law change, not just executive orders implemented. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen some of the things that he has said, and he said, you know, all of these illegal immigrants coming in, they better not get comfortable because they're going to leave when I'm president. And I'm like, yes and amen. I want to see it, though. I, I want to see it. I know. I know. I want you to, you know, I want you to walk the walk, not just talk yeah. the talk. Now, President Trump right now for sure doesn't want anything done. For sure. Yeah. Because, yeah, he... he Seals his thunder. It, it, and it, yeah, it, it only hurts him in his re-election or but, in his election. Gosh, I think that people are so passionate about it. And the even if there were some, there was some mitigation at the border, like there's still the problem of all of the millions of those who are here. So he can continue to run on that. I mean, he all, should. all he has to he do should. is show that picture. I don't know if you saw he this should. of the illegal immigrant in New York oh, after yeah. he and his buddies oh. beat up a cop and he's flipping off the camera mm -hmm. because he's just been let, let off. Yeah. All, all Republicans should be running that picture. These yeah. are the so-called refugees that we yeah. are told you, have to You just to come run here. that picture with Joe Biden's picture beside it. That's all you do. And it's accurate. It's, it, so it I do think it it's a good political move that Abbott and others have been doing to send the immigrants to these oh, blue states. Well, Abbott's been the superstar in all of this. There's no question and about it. And he probably it. hasn't been given the credit. No, yeah, and you got now you got twenty something other governors joining him. Do you notice yeah. that? Like we're gonna like DeSantis said, I will send you razor wire, yeah. all that, which I thought was pretty. I thought was pretty good. But it'll be you know it'll be interesting, and uh, we'll see how it goes. You know we're coming up on the primary Super Tuesdays coming up. There's a crazy Nevada primary this week where the there's actually a primary today, and then Republicans go to primary, and then they go to caucus on Thursday, which is. I don't even know it's yeah. what it means, but it's going to be very interesting. And of course, we have the conventions coming up yeah. in the summer. Okay, tell us about the conventions. Do you really want to know? I really want to know. Okay, yeah, so we I got want some time. everybody to get a pencil and paper. Okay. Although I know they won't. If you're driving, don't do that. Don't do but that. But I do have some information on the conventions. First of all, there's a Republican convention and a Democrat convention. The Republican convention is going to be held in Milwaukee in mid July. And really, why just, Milwaukee? Any reason? Wisconsin's a border state, is a uh, uh, battleground, battleground state, yeah. state. And then, uh, oddly enough, not very far down the road, a month later, the Democrats are going to be held in Chicago. And so it'll be interesting. But the, these, these conventions are somewhat archaic in, the, in how our president's elected because, you know, you and I don't vote for a president directly. Right. We don't even do that in the primary. Mm -hmm. We vote for what amounts to be a delegate right. to go to the convention and pledge their vote. All right. So what happens in the Republican convention, there's 2,469 delegates. All right. And there's 2,365 of those are what they call uh, bound, mean they are obligated. There's 104 at large delegates that aren't as you know, required to vote for the, the way the people. And so you have to have 1,235 delegates. When you've had 1,235 delegates that have stood up on that floor and said, you know, the great state of Texas does 38 votes for Ali Stuckey, then you've got 38 delegate votes. Well, you got to get to 1,235. Texas is 162 of those, sir. They're one of the biggest states that, mm -hmm. that have those. But what it means is, is so when we vote for the primary and we vote for, let's say Donald Trump wins the primary in Texas, then when we have our state Republican convention at the end of May, people will say, well, I want to be a delegate to the national convention. They actually run again. Okay, like, Ali, you could run or I could run. And we'd go to the convention in San Antonio. And then that group, only in my uh, congressional district, right? Because each congressional district gets three national delegates. So in congressional district that I live in, 26, we get three. So I could run for a national delegate spot, all right? And let's say I win that. Well, if, if uh, my district has voted for Trump, then I am bound to pledge my delegate to Trump. I can't change my mind, okay? It would be, uh, uh, they would just replace me and put another person in there. And that's the way it is all over the state. Now, if Trump didn't get a majority, and let's say he got a plurality, but not a majority, say he got 40%, mm -hmm. well, then it becomes proportioned, meaning that he might get two votes out of my congressional district and, you know, Nikki Haley got one or something like that, all right? And so then we go to the state, the state, Lexall there's, and you go to the national convention. At the national convention, 
once the 1,235 are met, it's over, all right? However, however, let's say nobody gets, for whatever reason, something happens and people are really concerned about President Trump, okay? Well, then he doesn't get a majority on the first run, okay? Well, you're still bound for the second run, okay? They'll go through it again, the whole thing. And a lot of times people will change. There'll be a little bit of change for, because some states don't bind you as much as Texas does. Mm -hmm. So maybe in the second, Nikki picks up a little bit more, right? And then by the third run, if they haven't, if somebody hasn't got a majority, all of the uh, delegates are unbound. Mm -hmm. And that was when it becomes a free-for-all, which will not happen, by the way, in the Republican conventions. And that's not going to happen. Now, and the Democrat convention works a lot the same way. Now, they have a lot more delegates, but it still kind of works in a similar fashion in that the delegates are bound through the first, you know, the first ballot. You know, they have these super delegates. If you, in your first election, you really got engaged in when, when uh, Hillary Clinton and, and Bernie Sanders. Mm -hmm. And the big Bernie Sanders thing was, is that, look, I had a lot more delegates than you allocated me. And that's because they gave these superdelegates extra voting power. Now, Democrat superdelegates, which are 750 of them, mostly governors, members of Congress, you know, people like that, they can't vote in the first round. Mm. So they're kind of, that's how, that's how Hillary won, actually. Mm -hmm. So they're out of that. So let's say there's not a majority, okay? And then the superdelegates can vote in the second round. But what is the most interesting part about a contested convention in the, on the Democrat side this time, let's say that Biden appears to be continuing to lose, you know, his uh, mental stature, right? And so there's a big uproar. Well, they could force him to release his delegates. Mm. There could, they, they can do it. Now, whether he would ever do it or not, but they could. And that's how somebody like a Michelle Obama or somebody like that could come in as a candidate on the House floor. They could do that on, I mean, on the convention floor, they could do that. She wouldn't have had to go through primaries or anything like that. Hmm. And there's, you know, there's theorists that believe that that could happen. Could happen. And uh, something like that could happen, you know, with President Trump. Who knows if there's something big that goes on behind the scenes that just says, hey, you know, you can't, you know, you're, you can't represent us. And it changed a lot of people's mind. Now, I don't think either one of those are likely because both of these gentlemen are bound and determined to, you know, to go at it again. Yeah. But the so, conventions will be interesting to watch this time. And I would encourage people to watch them. It's a good, uh, I wouldn't watch them all day, but it's, it's a good, it's a good part of our process. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know very much about that. That's interesting. I bet a lot of people don't even know that that goes on. Yeah, probably not, but it'd be interesting. But I, I do remember it. that about Hillary and Bernie and how he felt robbed. And he was actually. I mean, he was. I mean, they had rigged that thing for Hillary, no question about it. And they did the same thing really for Biden in 2020. Yeah. And, you're, and you, know what, you know what Bernie got out of it? He got the chairmanship of the Senate Finance Committee, yeah. which controls all the money that goes out, the, you know, the Senate approves. Yeah. Mm, interesting. Well, Dad, thank you so much for that breakdown. That was very educational for me, and I'm sure my audience too. Okay, remind everyone where they can get your book. Oh yes, my book, uh, Life Lessons from the Little Red Wagon. You can get it on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or RonSimmons.com. Okay, sounds good. Thank okay. you so much. You bet. <laughs>